Welcome to the Unstoppable Authors Podcast with me, Angeline Trevina, and me, H.B. Line. We'll be digging deep into our own experiences and sharing what we've learned along the way to publishing over 15 books between us in five years. We'll share writing tips and tricks for creating immersive worlds and compelling characters for your stories, as well as advice on author life and publishing options. So get comfy and grab a cuppa. Let's get started. And welcome to the show. We want to start off with a shout out to our newest patron, Nigel Perels. Thank you for your support. Our patrons get access to our off-air banter and the warm, fuzzy feeling of supporting us to create this podcast. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors. Today we are talking about morally grey characters. Now everyone loves an anti-hero. Now, in reality, of course, all of us are actually morally grey. We all carry out acts of extreme kindness, but we're equally capable of being cruel and selfish. Yet, I doubt many of us would actually categorise ourselves as an (laughs) anti-hero. No, probably not. Let's start with some definitions so that we're all on the same page. There are key differences between a flawed hero and an anti-hero. Anti-heroes may have noble intentions, but they may also be doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Hey, princess, I'm in it for the paycheck. They may do bad things and have seriously negative character traits. They might be sexist or arrogant, aloof, sarcastic, greedy, selfish. They might commit crimes or cheat on their spouse. Anti-heroes are the characters we might feel a little bit naughty for liking. They represent the way we might secretly want to behave, like becoming a vigilante or driving over dangerous drivers in a tank. Who hasn't had that fantasy? (laughs) A flawed hero is ultimately noble and good. They just have one or two big flaws that they need to overcome, and they must overcome by the end of the book. An anti-hero needn't overcome their worst flaws. In fact, it's often more compelling if they don't. But of course, even when you're writing anti-heroes, you still want to stick with the rules for writing good characters and good sympathetic characters. So you still want to make your anti-heroes fully rounded characters, not just cliches or like typical baddies or anything like that. You want to give them a full, complete backstory, which will hopefully give them believable motivations for the things that they do even the bad things that they do they need to have those motivations which are backed up by their backstory that will also give them reasoning for their behavior a lot of anti-heroes can convince themselves and maybe even other people that they are doing the right thing that they are actually the good guy or maybe they've got a lot of inner conflict about what they're doing and the choices that they're making they could be working for the greater good or the lesser evil so they might have those noble intentions even though what they're actually doing is pretty bad you can give them really tough decisions to make so that you have your readers questioning well what would i do in that situation Mm. you also want to give them at least some 
admirable qualities so that your readers have something to grasp onto so that they can like something about them. And also think about how other characters react to and treat your anti-hero as well as how your anti-hero acts towards others. Yeah, definitely. When it comes to having a full character arc, heroes have to have one, certainly over a series, if not a single book. But anti-heroes don't necessarily. They can end the book with the same flaws that they started with, but will need to learn how to make better decisions even with those flaws. So in a typical hero's journey, the hero descends into the abyss and returns having changed and learned from their experience. They return to the world changed and able to enact positive change in the world to save the day. An anti-hero, however, may return from the abyss not changed enough. Anti-heroes are ripe for tragic endings. They should just change enough to do the right thing. They return to the fight against the Empire at the Death Star. They fake their death and disappear to protect their family. Or execute the manipulative new president instead of the ruthless old one but they may not get a happy ending for themselves. A useful rule of thumb is that characters should be mostly likeable or capable. If they're too much of both, they risk becoming either a bit of a Mary Sue character or just completely unbelievable and unrelatable. If they're neither, they just become unlikable. Their capabilities can make them admirable, even if they're not actually very likeable. So a really good example of this is Katniss in The Hunger Games. She's really not that much of a likeable character, despite constantly having noble intentions. But then she's thrown into the role of an anti-hero. In the games, it's kill or be killed, and there's no way around it. But there are still far more likeable characters in there than her. She's just very emotionally stagnant. But it doesn't matter because once you put a bow in her hand, she is so wonderfully awesome. She's just so <laughs> cool and bullshy and stands up to authority in a way a lot of us probably wish we could. She's actually almost like an urban fantasy Hamlet. She spends so long internalizing and pondering her decisions and struggling with the internal conflict of these emotions that she'd rather keep at bay that she ends up doing nothing at all. But she gets away with it because she's super cool. <laughs> Who are some of your favourite anti-heroes then, Angeline? Well, I have to say Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> and, okay, so don't laugh, but one of my all-time favourite films is You've Got Mail. And Joe Fox is a great example of an anti-hero. Oh, and Danny from Stephen King's Doctor Sleep too. Mm. I absolutely love Deadpool and Wolverine. Love them! <laughs> also, Mal Reynolds from Firefly, Spike from Buffy, Dexter Morgan, Veronica Mars, Severus Snape, Han Solo, Harley Quinn, and my latest, Geralt of Rivia from The Witcher. Oh, <clears throat> um, that's just a few. Seriously, anti-heroes are my favourite <laughs> archetype I could go on. <laughs> Have you written any anti-heroes into your books? Only side characters I think I mean all of my main characters are most definitely flawed because they they certainly tend to be 
sarcastic and cynical. I don't know where they get that from. Um, but I just really enjoy writing those kind of characters, but they wouldn't count as actual anti-heroes. I think Joel in my post-apocalyptic novel, While We Are Waiting, though, is definitely an anti-hero character. I've probably also got an entire cast of them in my Paper Duchess series, and dystopias are the perfect place for anti-heroes to thrive, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I suggested this topic because I've been writing a strong anti-hero character, and I'm absolutely loving him. I've written flawed heroes by the bucketful before, and a couple of anti-heroes as side characters. But this is my first time, really, that I've given a fully-fledged anti-hero centre stage. I have fallen completely in love with this style and will definitely be giving Felix Jones his own series of novels, and I can't wait. Now, we absolutely must discuss the redemption arc. Villains who become heroes, or anti-heroes at least. These can provide some of the juiciest stories. I love it when a character who is atoning for their villainous past gets tempted by the easy and slippery path back towards evil. I can think of a couple in particular that I really, really love. Regina in Once Upon a Time and Negan in The Walking Dead. There are a number of characters in The Walking Dead that could potentially fall into the anti-hero camp and I did wonder about including them. Uh, you've got Rick Grimes and Daryl Dixon and Carol, they could all be anti-heroes. But what I think both the graphic novels and the TV show do extremely well is put characters into situations where it's impossible to do the right thing. You have both heroes and villains that could easily switch places if the reader's perspective were the other way around. If we'd followed Negan as the main protagonist since the outbreak of the zombie apocalypse, then he'd be our hero that we root for, and Rick Grimes would be the villain. Negan's arc is absolutely riveting because initially he's the off-screen big bad, and when we finally meet him after half a season of build-up, he executes two beloved characters in a particularly grisly fashion. But by where we are now in the TV show, semi-spoilers ahead, we're genuinely wondering if he's one of the good guys now and are waiting with bated breath to see what he's going to do now that there's a new big bad villain on the scene. I happen to know how it goes down in the graphic novels, but they've changed quite a lot for the TV show, so it might not go the same way. We'll see. Then Regina in Once Upon a Time, she starts out as the evil queen from Snow White, but we see her backstory and how she got to be that way. Heaps of empathy has been built for her over the course of the show and she gradually transforms into an almost noble bright hero. But because it's done so carefully, it's completely believable. Her love for her son Henry is the driving force and everything she does is primarily for him. I think as mothers we can relate to that. She does get tempted to turn to dark magic when things get tough, and we never quite know if she'll fall or not. It makes for highly compelling drama. Are there any redemption arc characters that you like, Angeline? Quite recently, my husband finally bullied me into watching all the seasons of Breaking Bad. We binge-watched a lot of it night after night. It really interested me the way the characters of Walter and Jesse changed through that show. It was fantastic writing of those two. 
At the beginning of the show, Walter is completely the sympathetic character, the married, stable family man tragically diagnosed with cancer, and all he wants is to provide for his family, to make sure they're going to be okay if he's not around anymore. But then you have Jesse, a drug addict, loser, dropout, who has only ever disappointed people. But through the five seasons, we see those positions gradually switch. Walter becomes a bitter, power-hungry, cruel control freak, and Jesse becomes this kind, generous, bullied character full of heart and tragedy and love. It is absolutely stunning to watch and so beautifully played out. Mm. That is a show I haven't got round to watching, but everyone recommends it, so... It is very good. <laughs> so I think that about rounds out our discussion on morally grey characters. There is so much more we could say, but then the show would be two hours long. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's wrap up with some cool things. It's a bit of a personal one for me this week. We went to see We Will Rock You last week and my 10 year old in particular absolutely loved it. We had been listening to a lot of Queen in the run up so that he was familiar with the songs and he was enjoying that and said that Queen was his favourite band. Well, I passed this on to his guitar teacher, and when we got to his lesson on Monday, his teacher had prepared to teach him to play Radio Gaga. I had a real proud mama moment sitting there watching him play one of my favourite songs and picking it up so easily. So that's my cool thing. Awesome. (laughs) So you have to excuse me for having an incredibly lame cool thing this week. But little things make me super happy, so what the hell. (laughs) My very old laptop has been limping on its last legs for a while now, and it had a bit of a meltdown last week. So we treated me to a brand new one. It's white and shiny and pristine. I love getting new tech. I absolutely love how clean the screens are. They'll never be that clean again. (laughs) I also jumped on Redbubble and picked up some awesome Spirited Away stickers to go on the lid. And I can't wait for them to arrive because I can't have just a plain white laptop without stickers on. Just can't. (laughs) So I've got a bit of an odd would you rather question for us today. Holly, would you rather live in an amusement park or a zoo? Um, amusement park. I, I love rides. I'm really, really uh, into theme parks and stuff. So, yeah, that would be cool to just like, be able to get up and go ride a roller coaster first thing. <laughs> <Be awesome. laughs> uh, plus, you can eat hot dogs and popcorn and crap like yeah. that all the time. <laughs> See, I I was a bit stuck on this one because my parents actually live quite near a zoo and you can hear the animals from their garden sometimes. Um, And yeah, zoos are incredibly noisy places. And I also wouldn't want to sleep anywhere near the camels because man, camels stink. (laughs) Um, So it would be a smelly and really noisy place to live. But I'm going to go with zoo. despite that because and here is my reasoning right I love amusement parks I love rides I also love hot dogs um but at night that place is gonna scare the bejesus out of me (laughs) I'm gonna be so scared there at night because there are a few places more creepy than amusement parks and I have watched way too many horror movies set in amusement (laughs) parks there's just there's just no way that I could spend a night 
because it, at night time it would be abandoned you know yeah it, you'd yeah. be like one of the only few people there uh no i just couldn't i could i would never ever sleep so yeah i'd rather have the noisy smelly animals than be terrified every single night so that is my reasoning i would yeah. live in the zoo <laughs> see i would quite enjoy that little bit of fear i i think i would that would be just right for me oh. it appeals to my gothic sensibilities <laughs> <laughs> okay before we go, a special invitation for our UK listeners. We are hosting a very special event for writers. Indie Fire takes place on Saturday 30th of May in Shipley near Leeds. We have workshops on improving your writing, working with editors and cover designers and making a living from your writing. We have panels on story structure, marketing, time management and mindset, as well as a live recording of this podcast. Tickets cost just £20 and are available at IndieFire.uk. Make sure you come along and meet other authors and learn everything you need to know to write and publish your book. Next week, I have a great interview for you. I'll be chatting with someone who can probably claim to have one of, if not the coolest name in the speculative fiction world. And we'll be talking all about crowdfunding campaigns for authors. So don't miss it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. We'll be back next week with more writing and publishing tips and tricks. You can find us in all the usual places. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And the show notes are at unstoppableauthors.com. On our website, you can also find the link to join our Guild of Unstoppable Authors so you never miss an episode and we will have more goodies for you soon. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and please leave a review.